Welcome to Indie Matters. The show from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, up here in Reno. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis down in Las Vegas. On this week's episode, video producer Tim Leonard takes us to the Nevada desert to follow a veterans group that remembers those who have died in the line of duty. After that, education reporter Rocio Hernandez talks about teacher raises in Clark County, why not everyone is happy about it, and what problems the raises are supposed to solve. At the end of the show, I'm joined by Carmen Landinger and Carly Savageo, our newest interns, to learn a little bit more about them and see what they'll be covering this summer. All right, well, Memorial Day was at the end of May this year, and veterans groups across Nevada put on an event called The Ruck to Remember. Our video producer, Tim Leonard, met up with some of those groups to talk to them about the event, what it symbolized, and what it means to them. Uh, Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, Joey? Good. We are standing outside because it's a lovely summer day. (laughs) We thought we would record out here as well. So, Tim, just to start off, I wanted you to explain to me what what the event was, (laughs) you know, plain and simple. Yeah, well, the event's called Operation Battleborn Ruck to Remember. It's a partnership between uh, Truckee Meadows Community College Veterans Group and the UNLV Rebel Vets. It started in 2018 at a Student Veterans of America conference. They had this very ambitious idea to bring 7,000 dog tags across the entire state of Nevada, almost 400 miles. And the plan was how can we bring veterans together and give them some kind of a goal or some kind of a task that's difficult, right? Like veterans would be attracted to something that might push them a little bit. So that was the original plan in 2018 and they did it. They walked from Las Vegas all the way up to Fernley Veterans Cemetery. It took them 10 days. My name is John Fenton. I'm the president of the Truckee Meadows Veteran Club and president, student body president of Truckee Meadows Community College. I got involved with Truckee Meadows Veteran Club when I first enrolled at TMCC. Really helped me get engaged with the uh, organization and the veteran community that it really fosters at TMCC. So this year, because they were still concerned about COVID, the groups decided to hold separate events, one in northern Nevada going from Carson City at the Battleborn Memorial to Fernley Veterans Cemetery, which is about 60 miles. And down south, they went from Amargosa Valley to the Veterans Cemetery in Boulder City, which is just outside Vegas. We're carrying the dog tags of all the fallen since September 11, 2001. And we're taking them from Carson City to the Veterans Cemetery in Fernley. So that'll be 59 miles. The combined weight of all the dog tags that we are carrying is over 90 pounds. And what we say is that we're carrying the weight of the dead. What we want to commemorate is their sacrifice. And Memorial Day is about more than a three-day weekend or sales at the mattress store. when. We have Memorial Day, we remember the cost of our way of life. When I put on that ruck, I will be thinking of Sergeant Jason Suman, and he died in 2007 outside of Nasiriyah, Iraq. And we were going north on Route Tampa, and his vehicle was struck by an EFP. 
We ended up uh, medevacing two other soldiers while he died in the vehicle, so we were pinned down by small arms fire. The number of people that participate varies a lot. So the tags are separated into bricks of 500 tags and wrapped in American flags. And so at each leg of the march, they can have up to 15 people carrying those tags. So the number of people of each leg kind of varies depending on how close it is to a major city. Some of these places are out in the middle of nowhere. But if there's less people, that means those people are carrying more weight. So they're always carrying 7,000 tags. Uh, Tim, people might not know this about you, but you actually came to us through the Military Veterans and Journalism Program as a fellow, and you served in the Army from 2009 to 2014. And I think for a lot of people who haven't served, or, you know, or they don't know someone who served in the military, Memorial Day is just a day that we get off work. But obviously it's a lot more to that for a lot of different people. You know, what are some things you want people to take away from the story and the day as a whole, you know? Yeah. I you know, nobody wants to tell people not to enjoy Memorial Day weekend. You know, it's the beginning of summer, everybody's having barbecues. It's not that you can't have fun. I think for veterans, it's just, it's kind of a weird day because people don't necessarily understand it. You know, for us, it's really about the people that died. It's not about thanking veterans for their service or, you know, raising us up on a pedestal. It's about remembering those that didn't make it back. So. I think events like the Ruck to Remember are all about making sure that, you know, while we're having a good time and while we're enjoying the summer, we're also remembering what the holiday is about, which is the people that died in service to their country. I am Felipe Gutierrez. I'm the Veterans Program Coordinator at Truckee Meadows Community College. Having TMCC Veterans Services there really helped me kind of realize what I was missing and helped me adjust to academia and also just normal civilian life. So today we're doing Operation Battleborn Ruck to Remember. It's a tribute to all our fallen since September 11th. So I did six years in the Marine Corps. I served with 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, 1st Tank Battalion, and also I was on Marine Security Guard at the Embassy in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and also at Cape Town, South Africa. So I did six years total. A lot of the times we get lost in what Memorial Day means nowadays. Um, it's a, the start of unofficial summer, the long weekend, there's great sales this weekend. We're actually here to provide tribute to those who have fallen in overseas. What are some of the most interesting takeaways that you had from this event that really stood out to you? The, the coolest thing to me was to see people, you know, it was really windy out there. It was, the dust was blowing in your eyes. I got dust all on my camera. Nevada is not an easy place to march across. You know, it's not hospitable in a lot of places. So there was a lot of logistics involved in making sure that people are doing this safely. And then the commitment of some of the participants who wanted to make sure that they completed every single step of the leg, they didn't take any shortcuts. Today was an incredible day and all the people that I met from the very first leg to the very end. And it, it was incredible. We all became friends, we fell in. We were all sharing stories of like our, our personal history and where we came from. And we were all very vulnerable and real with each other. And I shared so much more with these people than I, I've let out in a very long time. 
and you know we all experienced the the wind and the sand in our eyes and and the hill when our feet are blistering and swelling you know and it, it was that that bond and I, I even found out that you know I wasn't even alone in my my own troubled background in that group and that we'd all overcome a certain amount of adversity to get to the point where we're at right now. I came back from Iraq September 11th of 2007. I drank myself into my first rehab with the help of pain pills prescribed by the VA within the first month. Very demoralized, didn't really know how it happened, but I didn't get sober then. And I struggled with mental illness and uh, drug and alcohol abuse for many years until um, I went to prison. Um, I was found intoxicated in somebody else's car, charged with an auto robbery. You know, my, my story is one of a miracle. I, I, I had an intervention in my life that can only be described as miraculous. And from there, I was able to reconcile myself and my mind, the things that I had done. I was able to, to gain a, a lasting sobriety. And I worked two jobs for a while, but I knew I wanted to go to school. So I finally made my way up to uh, TMCC, and I said, I'm a veteran. I want to go to school, tell me what to do. And um, Felipe's been my mentor, my advisor, my friend, my, my support ever since. And he's always championed me. And I've been able to be real and honest with him from the beginning, he's always accepted me. And I love the guy, you know, he changed my life. So when he says, yay, you want to go uh, march with some dog tags on your back? You know, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes every time. It was great to see people coming together, sharing stories, and building community around an event like this where it's challenging. I got to hang out with some of their participants, shooting the breeze. You know, they brought their kids, they grilled burgers, and they just told stories about what it's like to be in the military. And it kind of brought back a little bit of that camaraderie that I think a lot of people miss when they get out. All right, well, if you want to see Tim's video on The Rock to Remember or read his story, you can find that on our website, thenevadaindependent.com. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Joey. Hey, Jacob, what is one complaint you hear about uh, when you think about teachers? Oh, there are many, Joey, but I'd be hard-pressed to say anything other than the money. Yeah, that's right. So Clark County School District is actually looking to curb that complaint by giving incoming teachers a raise. Wow, so teachers have been asking for something like this for a while. Yeah, it benefits incoming teachers and some teachers who have been at the district for a long time, uh, but many teachers are not receiving this raise and are instead getting a one-time bonus. Uh, reporter Rocio Hernandez sat down with me to explain more. School districts across the country are facing a teacher shortage. One way that some states are hoping to solve this problem is by raising their pay for their educators. New Mexico is raising their average statewide teacher salary to $64,000, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is looking to raise his state's starting teacher salary to $47,000. Nevada is not immune to these teacher recruitment and retention problems. 
In Southern Nevada, the Clark County School District is hoping they can draw in teachers by raising its starting salary to a little over $50,000, which is a $7,000 increase. The district is also offering teachers who make more than the new starting salary a one-time bonus of $5,000. Here to talk more about the announcement and what it could mean for teachers in the state is reporter Rocio Hernandez. Rocio, thank you for joining me. Yeah, good to be here. Um, and so to start off, you know, what is one of the reasons behind this pay raise and the bonus? Yeah, so like you mentioned, the teacher recruitment and retention is a big problem for schools across the district, and CCSD is definitely included in that group. The district currently has around 1,400 vacant teacher positions, and as our colleague and assistant editor Jackie Valley reported in March, that's significantly more vacancies than the school district had in the 2019-2020 school year roughly around 500 teacher vacancies. So the district has to do something to attract new teachers because if not, these vacancies can create more work for the current teachers or other employees who assist in the classroom. Here's Clark County Superintendent Jesus Jaras speaking at a press conference last week. Because um, we have to be competitive in really providing our teachers um, the compensation that they deserve and for us to be able to compete because our kids deserve the opportunity to have a highly qualified, well-compensated educator. So in order for us to attract teachers, to better secure our schools, increase student achievement, uh, reduce class size, and improve our working conditions for them is to uh, be able to do that. All right. And so, uh, you know, who's going to be getting these pay raises and these bonuses? So starting in August, any new teachers that come into the school district will, will start at that 50000 salary level. And about 4000 or roughly a quarter of the district's current teachers who make under $50,000 annually will also get their pay raised to that new level. So that's really good for those folks since they won't have to wait as long as others to get that pay raise. So teachers who already make more than the $50,000 won't necessarily get a pay raise, but they will get a one-time bonus of $5,000 that will be broken up into two payments. And teachers who make between $45,000 and $49,000 will get a portion of that $5,000 bonus in addition to getting their pay raise boosted. So that's also good for those folks. But in addition to those three things, the district is also raising its max salary from $95,000 to just a little over $101,000 annually. So that puts the district's starting salary and max salary for teachers just under Eureka's, which is 59000 and 107000 respectively. Yeah, you know, I'm also curious, you know, when you're talking about pay raises, obviously you're talking about money um, and, and, and people are always concerned about the cost. So how much is this raise going to cost the district? Uh, you know, how are they going to you know, pay for it? How are they footing this bill? Yeah, so just speaking specifically about these teacher raises and teacher uh, bonuses, it's going to cost the district around $107 million. So that's quite a bit of money. The district is also paying for these raises by drawing from its ongoing general fund, and it's using one-time federal COVID relief funds that state lawmakers set aside for public schools as part of a 2021 mining tax deal that Clark County teacher unions also worked on. But the problem is that those relief funds can only be used for things like one-time retention efforts, and not necessarily to increase teacher base pay across the board, which is why you see that not all of the CCSD teachers are going to be getting a permanent raise. Yeah, and obviously that has, I'm assuming, caused some sort of 
maybe not tensions the right word, but like a, a bit of a bit of issues. And and so how are teachers reacting to this pay raise bonus? You know, I assume if you're a new incoming teacher, it's exciting. But if you're someone who's been there for a while, it could be a little frustrating, right? Exactly. You know, if you're just coming into the district or if you're still earlier in career for the district, this is a great time because it means that you won't have to wait as long to get to the $50,000 mark. Normally, teachers have to wait every year for a pay increase of about $1,400. So if you were starting at $43,000 used to be the current starting salary, you know, it takes you a little bit to get to that $5,000 mark. That was the case for one of the teachers that I spoke with, Leo Wright who's just finishing up his second year as a teacher in the district and is making about 46K, and he also qualifies for a partial bonus. No, I'm definitely happy about that. Like, getting that bump is amazing. Um, It actually came um, at a perfect time for me because I have to move, so my rent is going up. But this news is a little bit more disappointing for teachers like Andrew Shaley. He's a high school English teacher, and he's entering his seventh year in the district, and next year, he was actually scheduled to get a raise that would have taken his pay up to that $50,000 mark. And here's what he had to say about it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm 100 times better as a teacher almost every year, it seems like. It, it's experience that makes a teacher so effective and so good at what they do. And now I'm on the same salary schedule as a first-year teacher. So that's uh, a little weird. So, so what, what is the conversation on teacher pay, if any, outside of CCSD or, or, you know, like Washoe is a big one that I always think of, obviously the second largest county in the state. Um, are they going to be seeing any sort of raises? Are they considering anything because of this? Yeah, so the Nevada State Education Association, even before this, has been talking about uh, raising statewide educator pay by about 20%. And they also want to see education support professionals, those would be your custodians, your bus drivers, be paid at least $20 an hour. Uh, because those positions, you know, districts are also having a hard time recruiting there. And next week, the Washoe County School Board is discussing and possibly voting on compensation adjustments for some of those support staff positions that the district has critical shortages in. But president-elect of the Washoe Education Association sent a letter to the board asking it to consider using the federal relief money that the district received to try to do efforts to retain employees through monetary incentives. So something similar to what CCSD is doing with the bonuses or by taking unnecessary work off their plates. So they just want to see a little bit more effort, even if it's not necessarily in pay and trying to retain your current teachers. And I think one thing that could help public schools raise teacher pay just on a statewide scale is to increase state funding for K-12 education. But Nevada has historically ranked low in per-pupil funding. And I think there is a commitment to raising more funding for K-12 education, but we just have to see the state follow through with those commitments. All right, well, Rocio, we'll leave it there for now. Um, Rocio is our education reporter, and you can read all of her reporting on our website, thenevadaindependent.com. Rocio, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This is Elizabeth Thompson, the editor here at the Nevada Independent, making sure you know about our daily morning newsletter, The Daily Indie. It contains a quote of the day, links to our top stories and opinion content, pithy commentary from me or another editor, information about upcoming indie events, and more. 
If you'd like to subscribe to this free newsletter, just go to our website, thenevadaindependent.com, and scroll down until you see the newsletter section. Then just enter your email address and you'll be signed up for Nevada's best daily newsletter. So from primary education to two people who have just finished or might be in the middle of their higher education, we're talking to our two newest interns. Joey sat down with them to learn a little bit more about the two newest bylines you're going to be seeing on our website. Alrighty, well, I am here with our two newest interns, Carmen Landinger and Carly Savageo. And we are just going to introduce the two of you to our audience. So welcome. You will be our summer interns. You'll be with us for a few months. So just to start off, we want to know where you guys are from and, and give us a perspective on your perspective on the state. <laughs> so let's start with, uh, we'll start with Carmen. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm from Henderson, Nevada. I was born and raised here. Recently, in the fall of 2021, I moved to New York City and definitely a drastic change from Nevada. <laughs> Lots of things different. And I'm back here for the summer for my summer internship, but I'm really excited to be home and back in the desert. I'm from Tonopah, but I've lived in Reno for six years because I came up here for college and I've been here since. All right. Were you born and raised in Tonopah? I was raised in Tonopah. When I was born, they weren't doing births at the hospital, so I was actually born in Bishop, California. A little bit of a drive <laughs> for <Yeah>. your parents. <laughs> yeah. So you're both from Nevada, and you're very different parts of Nevada. Henderson and Tonopah, I would say, are pretty much as different as you can get when it comes to the state. <laughs> but how do you feel like your where you're from and where, where you are now is going to affect your reporting here? Yeah, I kind of know like the ins and outs of Nevada. I don't know that much about Reno, though, or Tonopah, but definitely here in Clark County, I know about like everything that's going on. And I was actually talking about one of the the reports that I'm going to be doing about like the climate change conference. I was talking with my mom about it and she was like, oh, I've heard of that or I've heard of this person. So it's nice to be able to talk about things that's going on and happening with like my family because we all know about it in my community. And especially like when pitching ideas, I can hear from them firsthand about like different perspectives. And so that helps a lot when it comes to making a story. I would say basically just coming from like more of a rural community, I'm more conscious of how different issues affect rural communities. Like obviously there's more people in Washoe and Clark County, but I... Whenever I hear like a story or something, I'm definitely interested in like, oh, how is this affecting the rest of the state? So what are some things that you guys want to focus on in your internship? Yeah, I'm really interested in the environmental issues as well as the Latino community here. I recently became a part of the Spanish, the Cafecito. And so hopefully in the future, I'll be working with more on that and as well as like issues going on there, which is really exciting as well as working more in like a fast-paced environment, working in the career journalistic setting of getting the story out by the same day that you find out about it, which is really interesting. And I'm really excited to learn more about that. I would say as far as topics go, I'm really interested in covering a local government. I think coming in during like an election season is really interesting. And then, yeah, similar to Carmen, just getting used to working in a newsroom. Like I've worked freelance for a few years now but definitely like getting a story out the same day and so I've done video and audio more before 
and I'd really like to improve my writing during this internship. All right, cool. Well, you'll be right at home on the podcast whenever we need you to come on here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also curious, why did you guys choose journalism? It's an interesting career path. I don't know. I, when I was 18 or 19, I wasn't thinking about journalism, but you guys went into college as journalism majors. Yeah, so I think it was like freshman year of high school. I realized I was good at writing. And it was something I liked to do. And it was mainly just like writing school essays. I was like, oh, I like to do this. It's kind of fun. And then I had a journalism elective. And I was like, I think I'm going to join that. I like the idea of like writing about like issues happening here in Nevada, which are like important, even if it's just for like the school high school program. I was like, I think that's really interesting to be able to hear what's going on in other people's lives and to be able to be a part of that and helping spread that story. And I just really like the idea. So I decided to major in that. And it's been a great time. I really like being able to share people's stories, find out things that a lot of people don't really know about and help spread that awareness. I would say I got into journalism. I was always interested in writing and I just followed what I thought a career I could make out of that. And then I took some classes in college and I really enjoyed it and I just went from there. So is there anything else that you guys want the audience to know about you before we wrap up? I have, let me see, like a little fun fact. I have two chihuahuas and they're they're with me 24-7. If I'm writing an article, they're right next to me the other day. One of my chihuahuas, Pepper, she was like under my laptop and I was like completely typing and she was she was perfectly fine with that. And other than that, Another fun fact is I live in New York, but of course I travel back to Nevada all the time and it's been something that I've been adjusting to, but it's really cool to get different perspectives, especially like journalism wise, because now you're finding out like a whole new side of like things going on and things happening. Yeah. And you're at NYU, right? Yeah, I go to NYU. And what are your dog's names? Pepper and what? Pepper and Oso. All right. Good names. Are they going to get any co-bylines maybe on the website? Hopefully one day. <laughs> They're always running out right. of the house. So maybe there's going to be like a missing dog ad for them. <laughs> what about you, Carly? I guess for fun facts, I'll go with pets too. I'm, I share my office with my boyfriend's cat now. Her name's Nico and she likes to like crawl up on my neck whenever I'm doing uh, interviews and stuff. So that's been, it's been fun. All right. Yeah. (laughs) What are some stories that you guys are working on right now? What can we expect to see from you in the next couple of days, weeks, months? Yeah, so I'm working on the Gwen Center report about youth outcomes in Nevada. And it's basically talking about young adults in Nevada in relation to education, substance abuse, homelessness, unemployment, and just providing the data and statistics for that. And I'm also helping with the election night roundup. Um, right now I'm working on a story about voting on reservations with new county staff because there was a big turnover during the pandemic. I'm also working on the election night prep with Carmen and just keeping up to date on the statistics for early voter turnout. All right, cool. Well, thank you both so much for, for joining me on the podcast today, and I'm sure we'll hear more from you on both the podcast and listeners will see you on the, the website as well, your bylines. We'll be very busy this summer. It's a busy summer of uh, lots of news going on, so I appreciate both of you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. We'd like to thank Tim Leonard, Rosu Hernandez, Carmen Landinger, and Carly Savage for being on the show this week. This show is produced and edited by Joey, with additional editing help from Jackie Valley, Michelle Rendells, and Riley Snyder. 
If you want to support the show, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Also, email us with questions, comments, concerns, reasons to see Top Gun Maverick for a fifth time, or whatever else is on your mind. Our theme song is from the band People With Bodies, and we have additional music from Storyblocks and original music from Joey. Thank you for listening to Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis. And we'll talk to you next week.